This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Total Saints Podcast. Yes, we hope wherever you are in the world, you're still keeping well and safe. We're back for another lockdown pod as we try our best to support you through the void of no Premier League football and the return, hopefully soon, of Southampton. I'm going to keep the intro fairly short in this week's episode, not going to read out an entire Southampton press release like I did last week, but uh, just wanted to say thank you to all of you who are continuing to listen. I hope that we are, as I say, helping to uh, try and get you through that period with the lack of football around at the moment. If you do want to get in touch with us, uh, provide any feedback or questions or suggestions, then please do. We're still very much available via email, which is totalsaintspodcast at yahoo.com. You can find us on Facebook, just look for Total Saints Podcast, or likewise, Send us a DM or a comment through Twitter at Total Saints Pod. In the meantime, we're going to get on with this week's Total Recall, which features a very bubbly ex-Saints midfielder from the 90s, alongside Will from Saints Archive. So enjoy it. Sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. This is TSP 111. I'd really love a hot tub, but I don't know where to start. How easy is the process? It's as easy as one, two, three. Who are you? I'm the man who puts happy people in hot tubs. One, choose your hot tub at Happy Hot Tubs. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose how you want to pay. With 0% finance available on selected tubs, we even accept American Express. You deserve happy. And at Happy Hot Tubs, it's as easy as one, two, three. Happyhottubs.co.uk Bobby Stokes. The 
minute to play. Here's Letizia! Who better to say farewell? Hello everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Total Recall, which sees myself, Will Dorr from saintsarchive.com, joining Ben to chat with yet another ex-saint. In this episode, we welcome a man who played 169 games of Saints, scoring 19 goals. Born in Darlington, but made in Southampton, it's former midfielder Neil Madison. Neil, a warm welcome to Total Recall. Thanks so much for joining us. Ah, you're welcome. Looking forward to it, guys. Really am. Right, heading back to the early days initially, you signed as a trainee with Saints in 1984, fulfilling a dream many of our Saints fans wished for as youngsters. I know I did. How did that come about for you? I was only 13 at the time and I was playing for Downton Schoolboys. Uh, we had a matchup in Darlington against someone and uh, Southampton had a really good scouting system up here. And uh, it was a guy called Jack Robson who approached me. Dad mentioned me, asked me if I would like to go for trials up in Gateshead. And um, I said yes. And it started all from there, really. They had a really good scouting system up here. It was uh, very broad right across the northeast and uh Obviously, Southampton 300 miles away, but the North East produced some decent players, to be fair. Well, obviously, back in the 80s, you could have called home, but there was no FaceTime, WhatsApp, etc., or anything like that. Did the club allow you to have regular trips back to see the family? Oh, yeah. I mean, when it first started, I was only 14. So, uh, when I signed originally, it was with the associated schoolboy form. So, what I would do, I would train once a week at Gateshead. Uh, just trained up there with a few of the lads that were on the books as well as well as me and then we was at school we would come down in the holidays and maybe have two weeks down the summer one week down at Easter and, and train with the rest of the boys that were down in Southampton but from 14 to 16 it was about just training up here and in the school holidays obviously coming down to Southampton and and playing games OK, and obviously being at Darlington and Southampton, it's something like a 575-mile round trip. How did you cope with that, being that far away from home and those round trips? Did you get, like, the coach, train, or parents? No, we, no we used to get the train down. Um, when I signed apprenticeship forms with Southampton, there was myself, Steve Davis, Alan Shearer, Barry Wilson from the northeast, and, and we used to get the train down and train up all the time. You know, getting it to Waterloo, over to King's Cross, and then up to uh, Darlington and the rest of the lads, Durham, Newcastle, and that would be it. But, um, you know, that first six months, I would say, was really tough because obviously being away from home, the first time I've been away, uh, it was really, really tough. There was times when I can remember Christmas when uh, me and Shearer had come back up, and I knew it was going to be tough because we had two weeks up here, and I got a phone call off Al just to say, listen, I'm not going back, and I just said to him, listen, get on the train, I'll meet you at Downton, make sure you're on it, and I'm at the train station crying, my mum and dad are crying, and yeah. there's Alan from the train, I could see he'd been crying, and we got on, but it was the best decision we made because that's where we started our career at Southampton. And look, you went on to make your senior debut for Saints at Plough Lane, Neil, against Wimbledon, aged 18, scoring as well. What do you remember about that match, you know, when you were playing and beforehand? Well, it was a tough introduction because it was a crazy gang. But I think they knew I was pretty mentally tough. I, I, I mean, I was tough and I, I, I liked to tackle. You know, I didn't shirk anything. And um, when I got the nod that I was going to play, I can remember I was a little bit nervous. My mum and dad were there as well. And I can remember in the tunnel... And Vinnie Jones was stood next to me. And Jimmy Case, I played alongside Jimmy. And the first thing uh, Vinnie Jones said to me was, you're the new lad, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And he said, 
well, I'm going to break your legs this afternoon. And that's what he, that's exactly what he said to me. And I thought, oh, well, then Jimmy just patted on the shoulder and just winked at me and just get on with it. And then obviously I did and scored the first goal and the lads couldn't catch me because it was something I'll, I'll always remember. But yeah, it was a, a tough introduction, but I quite enjoyed it. I, you know, your, your debut, you always do. Yeah. And what about Chris Nicol, Neil? I mean, obviously he was renowned as being a, a good man manager in his time at Saints. So as an 18-year-old making your debut, I imagine he had some wise words for you as well. Yeah, got him really well with Chris. I've seen him many a time. I do a bit for Middlesbrough Football Club and I work there and uh, I've seen Chris every now and then and uh, he still does well. But he, he was he was as tough as anything, Chris. I can remember going into the gym when we were at the Dell, you know, during the week and he liked to give a head tennis and he would proper rough you up, and I mean rough you up, the elbows, when you were at the net would come out, and he just tried to make you tough, because that's what the game was like in them yeah. days, the cameras are not there no more, you know, so they weren't there at the time, and you got away with murder, honestly, mm. you got away with absolute murder, but uh, now you can't do it, but he was brilliant, Chris, really good for me. Yeah, and look, you go on to play under Nicola Corsi, Ian Bramford, Alan Ball, and Dave Merrington during your time at the Dell, so all very different managers, um, how did you generally get on with them? because I imagine they would have liked your energy your commitment things like that Neil all of them yeah uh, Dave Jones as well Graham Summers yep. as well all of them had different traits obviously Dave Merrington was my manager at youth team level and I got on really well with Dave I mean I hold him in high regard he was you know he set me on my way not only was a very good coach but uh and he taught you the things off the pitch as well, you know, just to be respectful, just to try and be a nice person, be kind. And he was brilliant like that day. But yeah, they're all different in some ways. Soon as I got on really well with, soon as actually made me captain mm-hmm. on the side, which was a massively proud moment for me. Yeah. So, you know, that was good. But Borley was one of the best managers, if not the best manager I played under. His yeah. man managing skills were outstanding. I loved him. I absolutely loved him. I thought he was brilliant. Uh, Dave Jones, I left to go to Middlesbrough when Dave was manager. Uh, Branford, I got on really well with uh, Bran. He was up at Middlesbrough not long ago when Tony Pulis was uh, manager and he was he was speaking to Pulis and I tapped him on the shoulder. I mean, he, he took some stick when he was yeah, down he in did, Southampton. Yeah. He didn't have, but, you know, I still got on with Ian Branford as well. So, all good managers. And yeah, yeah I think I was 100%. You know, yeah, I just, yeah worked hard and they seem to like that and what about the Dell itself for you Neil some of us older fans would totally miss it but do you miss it as well oh absolutely yeah I I still come down to Southampton regularly I've got kids that live down there and you know my digs were on Hill Lane me and Alan Shearer lived in Hill Lane and I go and see them I'm actually good parent of one of their daughter's child so I see me digs as much as I can when I get down there and I often go past the Dell and I actually well up you know I have a little team in my eye because that's where I started my career that's where it all started for me and you guys say to me do I miss it wow man honestly when I see the pictures of it when people post them say inside cars when you post the pictures of the Dell and it does well you're up a little bit because it was where it all started for me and I'll, I'll never forget the place never <laughs> going by your previous question now you've answered that and the passion that comes over in your voice obviously you know you had some memorable games at the Dell which games for you were the ones that really stood out and still remain good memories oh god there were so many there were so many I, I can remember when my first daughter was born Stacey and I scored in that week she was born we beat Spurs 1-0 got a header and I scored 
the Tottenham games were always good. Mm. I can remember one game where we got beat off Tottenham four uh, one, and it was live on Sky. And I forget which one it was. Now one of the fullbacks went up to the camera and sort of went, "How many was it? One, two, three, four. And we all seen it as lads, and we thought next time we play them, they are in for it. And we were we were, we actually played them not not long after. I forget the guy who had come up with the camera. He was he was one of the fullbacks, and we all just said, "Anyone gets a chance, you absolutely nail him." <laughs> and I think, <laughs> and and we did. We were up for the game. I, I think we beat Spurs four one that day, and it was a reverse or four three. Maybe was, I'm, I'm not quite sure, but we won the game. And I think it was Neil Heaney the first minute of the game. He played out wide, and he absolutely launched this lad, and that was it. It set us all off, and yeah, the Spurs games were always feisty, and they were always good to play in. We mentioned earlier, Neil, that you'd scored 19 goals during your time at Saints, which um, I think surprised both Will and I actually when we were doing our prep, because I think we probably thought you'd scored a lot more than that actually. But uh, if you had to pick one or two out that you always reminisce about, which would they be? I scored quite a lot with my head. I was, yeah. I was decent in the air, so a lot of my goals were with my head. Um, obviously, the, the Spurs game when we won one nil, and I got the winner with my head. Tis. Tiz supplied all my goals. <laughs> I can't remember a season where he, he didn't supply me. He just, you know, I can remember my home debut against Forest scoring. That was memorable. But, uh, you know, Basel against David Seaman, scoring against Manu against Schmeichel, that was always something you remember. But I don't think any stand out. It mm. was the group of lads that we had. We all came through the ranks together, the majority of us, Tiz, Franny, Dodzy, Shearer, Nicky Binge, uh, Jeff Kenner, Tony Williamson. I still speak to the lads now. Yeah. You know, we're all good friends and we were like a family and people say Southampton is a family club. It is because for us as lads, it was a family club. We're very close and we, we always keep in touch, you know, and we don't speak as often as we should, but we do keep in touch and uh, I'll never ever forget my time down there. It, it's, as I said before, it was where my, my life started really as a footballer and just so so many fond memories of Southampton I hold them really close to my heart I really do yeah and look we were talking earlier about your energy commitment winning tackles getting the ball back um, you know assisting was one of your key strengths as, as well Neil it's funny you mentioned Tiz because I was going to or we were going to bring it up because um, we always hear Matt going on about his two goals in that 2-1 Ian Bramford game don't we against Newcastle in 93 and yeah, uh, yeah. We, were, we were lucky to have him on uh, recall a few weeks ago and he was talking about that but I think when we were doing our research, we kind of reminisced, uh, Neil, that actually that 87th minute that he uh, lobbed over um, Mike Cooper, it wouldn't really happened if it wasn't for your well-placed headed pass, right? Well, I always say that. <laughs> I say that as well. The assist, the header was perfect. And, yeah. you know, all you have to do is hit it, really. So I think the header, <laughs> the header set it all up, definitely. But, nah, I mean, Tiz was just ridiculously good. I mean, if, if it wasn't for him, we would have been relegated, you know, quite a few seasons. He was a difference. You need them type of players in your side, and even now you need them in your side. But he certainly was a difference when, you know, when when we were up against it and we needed someone to just get us back into the game. The lads would say, "Come on, Tiz, we need you," and he did. He produced the goods, and I can remember Alan Ball got the best out of Tiz because mm. Ballie absolutely loved him. Tiz got away with murder, <laughs> but he played his best football under Ballie. He was just phenomenal. Honestly, he was ridiculous under ball. He just, you say it was like, lads, get him the ball. I'm not bothered where it is. Get him the ball and he will do the business. And he did. He produced the goods left, right and centre. And without him, 
without a shadow of a doubt, we would have been relegated. So rather than, obviously, Latiz, who's probably the obvious answer at the moment, who did you most enjoy playing with during your time at the Saints? There's loads of lads. I mean, as I said before, we were all good friends, and we still are. The likes of Nicky Bainge, I still speak to Nicky. Uh, there's, there's lads that were in my youth team that never quite made it that I still speak to now. You know, and there's so many. Franny, what he's done, and Franny has never changed one little bit. Dodzy, still speak to Dodzy every now and then. Tommy Withington, Tommy Withington works for Bristol Rovers as team scout and I see Tommy at games every now and then, you know, around the country. Jimmy Jolton I speak to every now and then and on Twitter we fly across messages but it was a good, good group of lads that have kept in touch and it says a lot about the side that we had down there at that time. So you eventually left Saints in 1997, uh, heading back up to Middlesbrough. After eventually retiring as a professional player, you moved on to coaching and on a few occasions stepped up to help hometown side Darlington as a caretaker manager. What challenges yeah. did that bring and would you ever consider club management again in the future? Oh, the challenges were enormous. I mean, at lower level, it's, it's tough because you've got a budget to work to. I always seem to go in when the manager got sacked. See, I worked through the youth team. Um, I took my coaching badges. As I was finishing my career, I was lucky enough, I was 37 when I packed in. Mm. The last game for Darlington was Wickham Wanderers away. Uh, won 1-0 and, and that was it. And then Dave Hodgson was the manager and said, listen, I, I want you to come on board the coaching team. So I went to get my badges, got my UEFA licence and football has always been part of my life. Management, I enjoyed immensely. You know, even though it was only in short periods, but I did youth team level, reserve team level, and just learning about the game in, on another side. When you're a player, you go and train, you go home, and then you get prepared for the games on Tuesday or Saturday. When, when you're a manager, it's totally different. It's just, when you know, when you're preparing for a game, you're thinking about systems, you're thinking about who you're going to play, who you're going to start, disappointing players because they're not starting and have to deal with that. There's so much else to go on, but I absolutely loved it so much and I've got a good job at Middlesbrough now. I, I, I look after the loan signings and I watch lots of games. I also do the uh, radio for the Borough as well. So as Dave Merrington does for Southampton, you know, so I, I really enjoy that as well. But um, I think if the chance was ever to appear and it was the right move, I'd seriously think about it. Definitely, yeah, because... Uh, I'm 50-year-old now and, and football has been my life for such a long, long time and I, I could never see me ever coming out of football. You stole on our next question then, Neil, because we had about the uh, the BBC T's radio uh, Middlesbrough commentary. I think for all of those that follow you on Twitter, which I know there's many of us, we quite often see you rocking up to a various championship away ground and uh, you know that sort of thing. But I imagine doing that and looking after some of the lone players and and you know having that variety, it, it means that whatever you're doing, I guess, involved in football is giving you different satisfactions almost, yeah. Oh yeah, working on the you know with the loan players, looking at players, and I've seen every game, Middlesbrough game for the last how many seasons? So many seasons, and you understand each manager, you understand what type of player they want and how they play the game, and you sort of when I'm doing the radio, I sort of try and get in the head. My core commentator was, "What will you do now if you get them beat?" And you still have your manager's head on. Mm. You're still thinking about the game. You're still wanting your team to win because. Being at Middlesbrough, I mean, Middlesbrough, when I left Southampton, they were so good to me. I had four seasons there, and it's it's such a good club. And then afterwards as well, looking after me and doing the corporate, and then obviously working at the club again, and obviously doing the radio. It's, it's, a, it's a massive part of my life now. So, 
you know, we've had a tough season so far this season and uh, it's been really difficult. And I work for the club and I see the players every day and yet I do the commentary as well. So I have to be fair and I have to tell it how it is, but it can be difficult sometimes because when you've been beaten 4-0 at home by Sheffield Wednesday, the falling afterwards, it can be pretty vicious and violent. So you've got to be careful what you say because obviously you work for the club, but I, I try and be fair and I, and I try and try and say how it is, but it's the second best thing to being a footballer. No one can ever replicate when you were a footballer. It was the best life you can ever imagine. Loved the match day experiences, loved going to the big games, loved winning at the big stadiums as well, you know, turning Man United over at Old Trafford. They're, they're experiences that you'll, you'll never forget, but um, I'm now on the other side, and it, it is. It's, uh, I still enjoy it thoroughly, I really do. Just before Will comes in with his last question, I had to chuckle. Um, Jamie Pragnall is one of our regular listeners, uh, Neil, and I saw. Uh, I think we all saw you having a bit of banter with him last week about that uh, video of, uh, is it Nick being interviewed in the car park at the Dow and you walking past with a, uh, was it a salad, wasn't it? Is that right? <laughs> yeah, it was a salad, man. What's he going on about? You know, a lot of people mentioned that to me and... Uh, <laughs> I, I love Nick. Nick was brilliant. I, when I was a young guy, he was such a nice professional. And uh, but yeah, I always get ribbed a little bit for that. But uh, yeah, I, I suppose it goes down to history, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, so just to finish up, Neil, we do have a few questions from some of our members at the Saints Archive. First one isn't actually a question, though, so we're going to kind of put you on the spot a little bit. It's more of a, a message to you from a lady called Lynn Hall. What she wants okay. to say is, is we actually named our daughter Madison after Neil. So after Lynn had met you, I think believe you both had an interview. Neil might remember. Uh, she also says you were a great player. Ah, oh, it's lovely. You know, I think Madison's quite a popular name, isn't it? You know, I mean, a lot of I know quite a lot of people that are called Madison, but uh, it's lovely that yeah. Uh, when you get a child named after you, it's, it's something special. So yeah, really chuffed about that. Yeah, my my wife refused to call our son Lambert when he was born a, a few years ago. But, uh, yeah, so yeah, there we go. But yeah, Madison works, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I could never have got away with naming our daughter anything related to Saints, never in a million years. <laughs> OK, so first actual question is from a gentleman called Kev Hewitt. Uh, he would like to know, throughout your career, who was the best opposition player you came up against? Ooh, there's been so many. Roy Keane at Man United, unbelievably good. Tuffins, Vinnie Jones, obviously, when I made my debut. Shearer, I mean, Shearer, when he went to Blackburn, when mm. I, I lived with Al for seven years and knew what exactly what he was all about but uh, you know them type of players although I actually did play against him when I because at Southampton I did play centre half quite a few times in the later time in my career so and sweeper so I played against Al a few times but yeah Roy Keane I would say because Roy was just a uh, uh, he was a machine. He was when he was at Nottingham Forest. Dear me, he was unbelievably good. I can remember we played Forest away, and um, I think it was Ian Branford or one of the managers had said uh, Terry Hurlock. He said, "Terry, I'm giving you the job there, man." Mark Roy Keane, and I can't tell you what Terry said. <laughs> he just went, you know, it was just something you're joking me, aren't you? Know, he, I mean, Roy was just he was a proper machine, fit as anything and as tough as anything as well. George Cadams asked, uh, was there a knack or a secret behind the amount of goals you seemed to score with your head? I was just good in the air. And I don't know, I just, my timing was good in training. I practiced heading the ball and everyone at the club knew I was decent. I mean, that's probably why I played at centre-half quite a few times. I actually, I can remember when Graham Sewers was manager, 
thousand in the side at the time. I was going to sign for Crystal Palace, but the deal fell through. So I came back to Southampton. Um, soon as said, just get your head down. I've got my head down. Was on the bench, played a couple of games, and then what we used to do, we used to play a game on a Friday with the reserves. So the first team would set up. The reserves would play as if they were playing the team that they were going to play on the Saturday and they were actually playing Middlesbrough. So soon said to me, go play centre-half as if you're playing for Middlesbrough because they play with three at the back. So I played sweeper. I played against Egger Lostenstad mm-hmm. and won a lot of headers, you know, decent on the ball. And as soon as come up to me and said, have you played there before? And I said, I'm not really. Anyway, we came in for the game and um, Ken Moncow was ill at the time. So he names the side and said, you're playing sweeper. I played sweeper, beat Middlesbrough 4-0, got man of the match, soon as made me captain, gave me a four-year contract, and uh, that's how it all started, me playing at the back at the time. So, a strange time, but the timing, good in the air, scored quite a lot of goals on the head, so I think he's just got to work on it, and I did in training. We used to always finish with crossing and finishing at Southampton, and people used to call me Bullethead and, and Bacon Neck for some reason because <laughs> I used to, because <laughs> yeah, I used to score a lot with my head. So yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to button and ask a, a question that I had, Neil. Um, look, we know you love football. We know you're still very much involved in it. I guess I just wonder because as Saints fans, we kind of gone through a bit of a roller coaster over the last three, four years, trying to understand what the club wants to do. You know, we seem to have a pretty good manager now, but again, you know, there's still issues across the squad and the, you know, some of the money that we spent having sold Van Dyke. I guess I just wonder what you made of the current Saints team and the manager and sort of where you think they can go over the next couple of years, really? Listen, I think they had a dodgy spell at one time, dinner, but then all of a sudden they just kick into gear and, and they've done really well. Um, I would stick with him. I would stick with the manager. I think you're chopping change too much and I think when he gets it right, he gets it right and you're always in the spotlight when you're manager. You know, mm. uh, Jonathan Woodgate this moment in time, Middlesbrough manager and it's been tough for him because he hasn't had the money that other managers have had over the years and he's chopped and changed, trying to change systems and it hasn't gone his way at times. But he had a really good spell at Christmas where it went and then we dipped off again. I think with Southampton, stick with him, get behind the players. Obviously, investment and trying to get them right players on board mm. are absolutely massive to a manager. And if you could, one player can change the whole dynamics of a team. You know, it, it certainly can. And that one player, Van Dyke, obviously was a big miss for Southampton when they sold him to Liverpool. And it just shows how well he's done at Liverpool. He's been brilliant. But um, no, it's uh, I would certainly stick with with the manager. And but investment is is massive, and you have to try recruitment. Recruitment is absolutely huge now. You you've got to try and get the right players on board that fit into your style of play. After your comments earlier, Neil, it sounds like you could probably still do your job for us at centre back. So you never know; there might be a move this summer. But, uh... <laughs> uh, the back wouldn't hold up with the back on. <laughs> okay, and finally, we've got a question from Denise Bridalgate, uh, but she has asked the following, and I'll be, I'm a little nervous about where this might go. Denise says, "Ask Neil about his really funny disco bunny joke." You've lost me. It must have meant something to Denise all them years ago. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? As I said before, as a group of lads, we were pretty close, and dear me, we got away with murder. I mean, if it was social media on when we were uh, when we were pros, we'd be absolutely locked up. But we got away with it as a group of lads on a Saturday. That was the norm. You'd go out after a game have a few beers as as most players did in that time and 
we used to go down the pier. Do you remember the pier down at Southampton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a big place for those players, and we used to go down the pier. Uh, New York, New York, the nightclub. <laughs> yeah, we, I remember that place. We, we had a few stints in there after a game, but uh, no, the disco bunny. I'm lost with that one, but... Uh... I think we're probably <laughs> safe there, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'll have to get back in touch with that. <laughs> we will do. Okay, but uh, look, Neil, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this Total Recall with Will and myself. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us, for obviously being a saint and keeping as engaged as you do with all of us on Twitter these days. Yeah, listen, I enjoyed my time down at Southampton. Love coming back down there as well, and uh, I wish the club all the success in the world. They're a fantastic club. Uh, it's not the Dell no more. I know it's St. Mary's, but in my time, I'll always remember Southampton being at the Dell and, and playing them games at the Dell. Fantastic place and absolutely massive place in my heart. Brilliant. Well, that's been Total Recall with former Southampton midfielder Neil Madison. Well, a massive thanks again to both Will and Neil, or Bacon Neckers will now refer to the latter. Always good to reminisce about New York, New York. So I think we've all spent a dodgy Saturday night in there at some point. Heading into the next few weeks, we've got some really good pods lined up. I think uh, a couple of great total recalls waiting in the wings that uh, we're going to be releasing over the next three or four weeks. And if all goes well and all goes to plan, then we're going to get the band back together for part two of our recent squad assessment. Um, we did the first part in TSP 109 around goalkeeping and defence. Next week, um, you'll be able to listen to our review and assessment of midfield and attack. So what does Glenn think about Mario Lemieux? What does Simon Peach make of Che Adams' attitude? What does Freddie from the Ugly Inside think about Mohamed Al-Yanoussi potentially returning to the club and making a storm of things in the Premier League or not? We'll have to wait and see. But as I say, look out for that next week in TSP 112. Otherwise, as I said at the start, thank you for your listens. We do really appreciate it. The figures are still very strong, so it does make it all worthwhile. And as I say, hopefully, you know, it is helping to get us all through the period and, you know, stop us going too insane. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Wherever you are in the world, I hope you and your families keep safe, keep well and keep marching in. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.